0: Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Pastor, appreciation. I I wanted to share something that is really one of the um, fuel to why Stacy and I do a church. Um, There's a couple cornerstones of, of thought or theology or um, connections with God that we have that I wanna that was what is the reason why we wanted to plant a church and kind of what uh honestly keeps us going and um you know Stacy and I are um we're both really ruined for God and I mean that in a good way um I'm I'm inviting you today into a holy irritation is what I'm calling it that You can come into what we have if you want it, but you will live the rest of your life being irritated because you'll always know that there's more. And at a a young age, I I experienced God. I'd read scripture. I I knew that there was more. I'd read the stuff in the Bible, and I'd say, okay, I'm not seeing that in my life, and I know that there's more. And I would have encounters with God, and I remember praying, which is a dangerous prayer. It's what David prayed. God, I, I, I thirst for you, have me thirst for you like a deer pants for water. And if you pray those type of prayers in, in, a, in a high moment, they just sound fun. But the truth is, that may happen to you, and you'll live with a constant irritation of wanting more of God. I'm thankful for everything, but I'm so expectant for what's, what's to come. And so Stacy and I, we really, we just, we said to each other at times, like, man, we're just, we're ruined for God. There, there's no other option. We've given him our yes, we sign a blank contract and wherever he takes us, that's where we're going to go. And if that looks like church, then awesome, we're going to do a church. And the direction that he's taking us is the way we're going. You know, I may not be the most bold guy or charismatic guy on the street corner yelling about God, but there is a fire inside of me that I'm never going to let burn out. And I'm, I'm choosing to live with this constant, I want more of God at all costs, and it's never going to go away. They've made the joke with me earlier saying, it's good to know that you're always going to be the most irritated. And I'm living with what God has promised and what I haven't seen, and I and I want to see more of it. See, so much of what we want um, in life, we, we want to feel comfortable all the time. Like most of what we do in Western society is, We want money, we want resources, we want friendships, we want certain type of things to make us feel very comfortable about our life and our circumstance and our situation. And and I'm not against possessions and I'm not against more resources. I pray for that stuff all the time. But God's actually trying to do the exact opposite with us. He actually wants us to live uncomfortable. And so he gave us the Holy Spirit. And one of the job descriptions of the Holy Spirit, which is residing amongst us now, Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity that is here on earth. We need to engage with the Holy Spirit is that he would comfort us. And I I do believe that it's like in a in a, a time of need or when you have a saddened heart or those type of things that the Holy Spirit may comfort you. But it's also, it's living with, I'm going to see everything God promised and I need your comfort to keep going. And I will keep pushing you down this path. If I want, I'm stretching myself to see all that God has for me and the Holy Spirit bringing comfort into that place. So you sure you want this? Do you want this internal fire that will never burn out and you'll wake up in the night and potentially lose sleep over it, never be satisfied, but always growing at the same time? And it, it, it's not going to stop if you want more of God. The holy frustration that he gives you is a beautiful gift and I'm so thankful that we're refusing to level off. And so in this community, in response to past appreciation, you can have as much of God as you want and it's only going to get stranger. During, During worship, when... People are yelling out to God and dancing and manifesting and all of those things. And um, I'm aware in our Western society those things would be called weird or charismatic. The first time the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2, there was wind that everyone could hear. Everyone started speaking in other languages which had not happened before. There was tongues of fire above their head. That's weird. But Apparently, that's what it looks like when the Holy Spirit's in the room. Now, it doesn't manifest that way on me, but that's what the book says. So I want that. And like JP said, I'm, I'm very socially aware. I'm aware of what people are thinking, but I'm not going to change the subject. I'm not chasing a manifestation. I'm not chasing a miracle. But if God's free to be God, then we, where we, our instruction manual says this is what it looks like. And so I'm in. I've, I've. Amber sang it during worship. The, I'll lose my dignity for you. You died for me. It's so the least I could do is take him at his word. It's so the least I could do is to allow someone worshiping God and pouring oil on his feet, and now, and everyone around saying, "This is a waste of time." So, I'm not looking to burn for a season. I'm looking to burn when I'm 90. And I want people with me that want to do this. It includes the bold declaration on Saturdays, praying for the sick. It includes the overnight prayer meeting. But it's really giving God your yes when no one's looking. It's secretively not getting offended at God and not changing the subject. Do you want this with me? I'm never going to yell at you and get you riled up. This, this is what you get. Because it's not, it's, not it's not about a week. It's long term. Okay. Jesus told us to pray this prayer. The disciples said, when you pray, what do you pray? And he said this, go into the quiet place where your father is. And he'll see you there. And he says, pray this prayer. Our father in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's break that down. So first thing he says is our Father in heaven. Jesus came modeling for us a relationship that he had with his dad. The words that Jesus used around saying dad was father, dada, and daddy. Jesus was a 33-year-old man referring to him as dada or daddy. He had that type of connection with his father. So you and I are in the same bloodline. We have the same, when you pray the prayer and when I pray the prayer, we're praying to a father. We're not praying to a far-off God. We're not praying to some source. We're praying to a dad. We're praying to a father who loves us and engages with us. And Jesus represented that dad perfectly. Jesus said over five times, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I can only do what the father tells me to do. So what does that tell us? we have to get our lens of what the Father's like through Jesus. If you have an idea of what the Father's like that you can't find in the life of Jesus, then you need to reread the New Testament. So we're in a family together. And so we're in community together. You know what that means? It's ugly. I don't know about my family. I've been a part of family settings that can't even get through a Thanksgiving dinner. We're still family, right? And it's really easy to jump ship when things are hard. Again, it's uncomfortable. And so what does that mean? Now I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit when I'm uncomfortable. Okay, so then Jesus says this. He says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His mission was to model for us what it looked like to bring heaven to earth. So if you're wondering why you're alive, or if you're wondering... Uh, If you want something to live for, it's to bring heaven to earth. So just think about that practically with me. There's no cancer in heaven, so there shouldn't be cancer here. There's no poverty in heaven, so there shouldn't be poverty there. There's no hatred there. There's no racism there. So it's our job to bring that heaven to earth. Uh, Q Commons on Thursday night. Great job, Melissa and Jasmine's not here. If you if you don't come to church, I call you out. Do you see that? <laughs> Just kidding. Um Jasmine's out here at Q Commons. Uh Scott Harrison, the guy who runs Charity Water, he said um, there's no he said there's no unclean water in heaven. So everyone in the world should have clean water. And I couldn't agree more. There's no lack of clean water in heaven. So what does that mean? God has a solution for someone to bring clean water to all the earth. Because there's no lack in heaven. So there shouldn't be any lack here. So You and I are sent as apostolic ambassadors on this planet to make it look more like heaven. And God believes that you can do that. I think he's crazy. Like you think, have you seen our mistakes? Like we're really messed up. And we're here for a time as now to bring heaven to earth. Okay. But that's going to cost us something. It's really going to cost us something. And we're not going to see it. Psychologists will say doing the same thing over and over is insanity, right? We're not going to see the results that we want to see doing the same things if all we're getting is what we're doing. So something has to shift, right? And all lack is on our end, not his. The problem's not on God's side. There's something about it on our end that we need to engage with him on to be able to see that manifest. Are you with me? So here's the thing. If we're family members and we're bringing heaven to earth, there's a standard that comes with being a part of the royal family. There is a standard of life that comes with being a Christian. And he's given us free will and we can botch the standard if we want or we can raise the standard or maintain what he gave and i and i and i'm never going to lower the standard and i'm i'm asking you to never do that with me and i'm never going to change the subject here's what we're not going to do i'm not going to explain away something cuz i haven't seen it yet <sighs> Um, Matthew 10 says, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, and cleanse lepers. And in Western society, we call that really charismatic, right? I'm a vice president of a company, and I have my own business. I'm very socially aware, okay? I'm following a book that says heal the sick and raise the dead. Do you know what that means? We should be raising the dead. So when I read that what I'm supposed to be raising people from the dead and I'm not, I can either explain it away theologically or I can just get back to the drawing board every day and say, okay, God, let's raise the dead. Would you like to be a dead raiser with me? You know, you can be socially normal in society and raise someone from the dead. <laughs> Guess what? I've never raised the dead. I'm 0 for 8 laying my hand on a dead body and then coming back to life. You know what that changes? Nothing. Because you know what? I'm going to get up tomorrow and it's still in the book Raise the dead. I don't need to know why. It's just my job description. And I need to go do it. I refuse to create a theology that allows us to not experience what the Bible has given us. Did you understand that? So much of our Western theology has to do with explaining away the things that he told us to do. Listen, this includes feeding the poor and taking care of the widows and orphans. I'm talking about that next week. I'm not at all hyper one side of the gospel. I want the whole palette that he gave. But but I can't just sit on natural things when he lived a supernatural life. So if he said these supernatural things, then that's what should be happening. Amen? Let me give you an example. We do a school of ministry on Monday nights here. It's uh, 12 of us doing it, all different people from all walks of life. And we just, it's three and a half hours of just going really deep in God. It's awesome. And I love it so much. And uh, we uh, talked about healing and stuff. And then we're like, cool, we're right here. We're like, cool, let us let's, who, who wants prayer for healing. So someone stood up and said, my hip hurts. Uh, and so I'd like prayer. So pray for a hip. She starts doing lunges. I asked her to do a backflip. She said that was a little much. She starts doing lunges, and she said, look, I'm not the kind of person to say this, but all the pain's gone. She's just like, gosh, this is like over 60 years old. This just like never happened to me. I'm like, man, that's great. So the the next person says, well, hey, uh, it's actually Kanan right here. She told me I could say this. Uh, The doctor says she's going to have plantar fasciitis and have to get numbing shots and all kind of stuff. And uh, she said, uh, I said, okay, get in the middle. So we prayed for and all the pain's gone. It's been gone since Monday night. Isn't that cool? All right, so equally, I have to celebrate every small victory. So we saw two people get healed, and I'm jacked up about that, right? And it's somewhat regular, just to be honest. It's somewhat consistent in our community. And so someone else walks up and says, well, I'd like prayer too. I have a a life-altering disease. And we prayed for this person and nothing happened. And so, I left that night very bothered. That should bother us. Like, man, we saw two people get healed and that's great. Guess what? Jesus was at 100% healing ratio. And that's the standard. And so, This holy irritation, this holy frustration of, no, if Jesus was here, this person would have been healed, and so that's what needs to happen. Listen, I don't need to feel good about myself after the person doesn't get healed. Gosh, please get this. Like, I don't need to create a theology about my lack or what doesn't happen. Is this making sense to you? It's like, I pray for someone they don't get healed, and I'm just using healing as an example, but as I pray for someone that don't get healed, it's like, man, why would I go to shift the gospel? It's like, man, let's just live with some irritation. Let's just do it tomorrow. I'm not gonna create a new theology because someone doesn't get healed. Are you are you, are you with me? And it's really not complicated. Listen, it may not be most it may not be the easiest thing to do, but it's not complicated. Like, Jesus' commands to us weren't complicated. Pretty simple. That felt good to say. I remember I was in sixth grade, and how many of you have been to Acquire the Fire? Anybody? A uh, oh, long time ago? Y'all know what I'm talking about? you I know what I'm talking about? We're going to run a little long tonight. I'm sorry. You can leave if you don't care about what God's doing. Um, sorry, I'm I'm way off. I'm way over here from my notes, but I'm going for it. I went to acquire the fire. Canaan, you're leaving? I'm just kidding. Someone, someone like, really has to leave, and they're like, oh, gosh, I'm kidding. If you need to leave, do whatever you want. As JP said, I don't control you. You're a free human. Do whatever you want. Uh I go to Acquire the Fire and it was a middle school thing and I grew up in a great Christian home and uh, I don't remember like, I don't have a great memory of my childhood memories but I remember it was a middle school thing. It was in Atlanta. ATL in the house, you know what I'm saying? Anyone from Atlanta? I have no connection from Atlanta. <laughs> Just Anyone from Montana? So I go to, uh, we're in Atlanta and I don't remember anything but I remember this guy's two things I remember. The first thing, uh, it was when Nirvana was was you know it was like nineteen ninety. Remember the Kurt Cobain song Come As You Are As You Were and I will, da, da, da. So typically Christians uh, I wouldn't suggest taking a non a secular song and try to make it a Christian song. It normally goes awry. Um it's a little cheesy. If you if you're into that, I think it's great. Uh, I enjoy secular music as as much as I enjoy Christian music, so I, 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 another sermon. I'm way, way, way off. I, I, I think, I think secular music is great. Um, so, and I remember the guy was actually he was singing a song and he was saying, "Come as you are, a sovereign God, and I will worship you." And if someone told me that, that was like, "Hey, man, this guy sang the song. I'd be like, that's like the worst idea. Like, don't take a Kurt Cobain song and turn it to a worship song." I just remember the presence of God. I was like, this is the greatest song of all time. Like, (laughs) This guy just crushed it. Um, It has nothing to do with anything, but I remember that. Anyway, the second thing is, at the end of the whole thing, this guy stood up, probably 200 middle schoolers, and he was crying. And he said, be a generation that doesn't lower the standard. Don't lower the standard. Just weeping. Don't lower the standard. Refuse to lower the standard. And I didn't know, I I just, I felt it like this guy, there's something, my deepest crying out to deep here, my spirit gets it. But I didn't understand it. I've gotten older. It's like, I'm not going to lower the standard of power and purity of the gospel. And it's literally in my head. I don't know who the guy was, bald head guy crying, 50-year-old guy, don't lower the standard, don't lower the standard. You never know who you're impacting, by the way you're doing stuff with kids, but, and I remember that just hit me and I was like, golly, and I've gotten older. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to lower the standard. I'm not going to lower the standard. Will you not lower the standard with me? (sighs) Okay. I'm going to end with this story. I went to a, um, I went on a mission trip like 10 years ago and, uh, it was in Costa Rica, a mission trip in Costa Rica. Um, I'm kidding. It really was a mission trip. Um, and uh this organization would take kids from all over America kind of train them up and then send them out to Costa Rica. It's really cool thing. And um one of kind of the under one of the underlying missions of this ministry is to like let people know kind of about the goodness of God, and, like God's real and tangible. And um so they go there and they get trained and equipped. And they bring people from all different walks of life. So I was like, I don't know, 25, 26, something like that. And this girl came, I think she came out of, like, deep religion, potentially Catholicism, something like that. I'm I'm not against that. I'm just giving you context. Um, And this girl got rocked so hard by God. Like, I'm talking like a three- or four-day encounter. Like, she was having trouble, like, getting off the floor. She was having trouble talking, like, spontaneous tongues, like literally I'm not kidding like just absolute god just like in the best way possible wrecking this girl's life so take that moment right there like what can we do with that moment most most of us if we're not careful we're like I don't want that to happen to me or that's weird she looks socially awkward or I don't I don't want those type of things I'm I'm not that way and so I had learned from some previous heroes in the past to when it's what Dave was talking about, you honor something. When you, when you honor what God's doing on someone, it can get on you. And so Stacy and I are secretively kind of following this girl around Costa Rica for four days. But she couldn't drive. I mean, like, I'm telling you, it was like, it was awesome. Um, and I remember we just kind of. We could feel God on her so much. And I got, was is one day we got just literally standing close to her and just like it kind of got on us. And I remember it was probably 30 minutes of just on the ground, just kind of weeping and out of me, spontaneous, the Bible talks about things like utterance will come out of you. I just started saying, God, please don't let us level off. Like this wasn't like a conscious thing. Like it was just coming out of me. God, don't let me level off. Don't let me level off. God, don't let me level off. I could feel comfort coming in my life. I could feel being okay with the things I hadn't seen coming. And I was just like, God, don't let me level off. Don't let me level off. Just this groan of saying, God, I, I want to be the one, I want to be a part of the group that says, I won't change the subject. I don't want to play church. I don't want to play Christianity. I just don't want to do that stuff. I just want the more of what God has. And I'm just, I'm just ruined for the more. So do you you want to be a part of the holy irritation? Okay. It comes from this radical, illogical pursuit of God. But just to theologically mess with you, it comes equally with surrender. So listen, I'm not talking about us going and doing a bunch of gymnastics for God. Do you understand? I am talking about living a life with this conviction, yet completely surrendered to him. He's not looking for a hero. He's looking for someone who's yielded. So, there's always more. There's always more. When, when, when religion hears that there's more of God, they think that we're not thankful. That's not true. I am so thankful for everything, everything he's done, and I want so much more. <laughs> or it's easy to start thinking, well, I'm entitled, and I can't. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm thankful for everything. Everything is a gift. We're borrowing our breath, we deserve nothing. I'm 100% with you. At the same time, he said there's more, so I'm going for the more. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.